When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there that's all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, the great folks at Lakerholics.com, and of course, the wonderful folks at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, plus also the YouTube channel. Put a little mustard on it. There you go. Go ahead and support all these great causes today, and we'll be very appreciative that you did. Well, the Lakers coming off a <laughs> very inactive trade deadline are the subject of even more laughter and ridicule online on twitter on social media on radio on television all over and a lot of questions are abound in regards to that but there are also some other maneuvers and some other things that went on at the jmba trade deadline and if you get a chance you can actually hear what we were going ahead and talking about for two and a half hours on the nba trade deadline special that we did wherever you get your podcast you can hear Laker Tom in the two and a half go- hours going from a very, very positive outlook, expecting a trade, to one that was unfortunately <laughs> not coming to fruition. Nope. His probability meter, you can see it, as I said on the show, went from a very high to unfortunately lower at each passing moment. And it was just very amusing, I guess you could say, but... Poor Laker Tom. Unfortunately, Lakers were very inactive at the trade deadline, and we'll talk about that on the back of what that's going to do for the team going forward and, and all that. But right now, I want to go ahead and bring on two guests to talk about what their thoughts are on the fallout of the trade deadline, the winners and losers, and, of course, the big trade, James Harden for Ben Simmons and other peripheral and ancillary pieces as well. We'll start off with the mastermind behind the five things column at lakerholics.com it is admiral akbar himself jamie sweet jamie good to have you here Thank you, and Joe. i would know you you and you and sean have been going back and forth on uh, its various outlets talking about your thoughts on the nba trade deadline what the lakers didn't do what the other teams did do so first off you want to go ahead and put the lakers on the back burner 
But first off, I want to go ahead and hear. Yeah, exactly. Everything's on the back burner with the Lakers. But I want to hear your thoughts on the late on what the trade deadline was for you as far as winners and losers. Maybe some some things that that stuck out to you. Maybe you want to start with Harden for Simmons or again, any other th- direction that you want to go on on the winners and losers of the NBA trade deadline. I mean, in my mind, there are three clear cut winners, Joel Embiid who uh, no longer has to drag a team with a huge chunk of the cap resource, simply not there any longer. At the very least, uh, they have replaced a couple of spare parts and a large contract with James Harden, which is a win for him. Uh, Whether it's a win for the Philadelphia 76ers franchise, uh, I think that remains to be seen. I, 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 you know, Harden's going to take a day to process this at a club somewhere in South Philly, and then he'll join the team for his medical on Monday. I would put Joel Embiid as the number one winner of today's of, of the trade deadline uh, hoopla, simply because it, it's not just about what he can do anymore. And he's been playing phenomenally. So you kind of have to imagine that if James Harden just wins the minutes that it's not all about Embiid, and sinks a defender or two his direction if he plays weak side a lot, that positive things can happen uh, from that relationship. They just have to play smart basketball together. It could turn out like, you know, kind of the opposite version of the Kobe Powell, uh, of the Powell uh, Kwame trade, where instead of a big man riding in over the hills to save a franchise, it's a it's a playmaking guard, small forward, depending on, you know, whatever. So I, I, I marked Joel Embiid as number one winner. Number, my number two winner is the Utah Jazz, who I don't know would have been as active as they would have been had Joel, Joe Ingles not hurt himself. Maybe they would have, maybe they would have, but or not have, but they, they got out. I mean, you know, he's an expiring contract, but they got somebody who can help them quickly. And I think it's a good fit. Uh, and I think it fits with Portland. And I would say the number three winner of the trade deadline <laughs> was THT because he really? to, he, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> the guy's been on the trade like ever since he had like a good preseason game two years ago, two seasons ago, a year and a half ago, he's been on the trade block. <laughs> it's got, it's a terrible way to exist, but now he's got a, he can stay in his, his LA condo for another six months. Uh, no, I, I would say after those two, Probably Indiana because, and I think Magic Man's probably a little more versed on on this than I am. But I would, I feel like they're so resistant to a re- the idea of rebuilding, and every time you think that's it, this is the year Miles Turner is going away, they doubled down, and everybody for a year plus has said there's no way they'll, you know, Sabonis Turner, they can't coexist, and eventually. Indiana also saw that fact because uh, it never really seemed to work out on paper the way the way it has so well. And in Cleveland, where they play two bigs uh, and feature two bigs in the starting five, so uh, you know, Indiana, the Indiana Pacers and, and Miles Turner would be my, my my third best winners, just because it kind of allows them. I'm not saying the moves they made are going to win them a championship, but it allows them to continue to function in the reality which they've crafted for themselves as a franchise, which is one that doesn't rebuild. We just keep competing hard. So, Well, not only do they get Tyrese Halliburton, who is a guard that I know a lot of individuals out there are projecting him to become an all-star. I think that he's going it's to possible. be a very – It's possible. He's been a very good player so far for Sacramento. I see him continuing to improve and progress. But they also pick up – additional first round draft picks and they could have yeah. as many as two or three if i'm not off the top of my head two or three draft picks 
for this upcoming NBA draft, which obviously can help if you make the right choices. So we'll see as far as that's concerned. Again, it's all based on protections and where everything falls and lands. So we'll have to wait and see exactly where it is. But Indiana and a team like Portland as well, they could have additional first round draft picks. And that's a way to go ahead, like you said, and have a, like say, a quick turnaround per se. The the doldrums for either of these teams doesn't have to be prolonged with the moves that they made. I th- I liked what Portland did uh, in clearing out a lot of what their their stuff did as far as going ahead and clearing the space. Oh, you don't? You don't no, like that? I, I, Portland's on my Portland and the Kings are on my list of losers, or Dave wow. Lillard specifically because he's stuck in. Uh, I don't know what you call it. I don't know what they're doing up there. Like well, with, it, he wasn't never... going to win with what he what he had. I I don't understand why they didn't trade Who... Nurkic. I don't. That, I wanted. I wanted the Lakers to trade for Nurkic. I really wanted Nurkic to become a Laker. I thought after I saw him give AD the business uh, a couple games back, I was like, that's that's what this team needs. But anyway, we're not backburner. Who signs in Portland? Nobody ever. It's like Boston. They they never. But Boston is at least like you're like well Boston's won though Portland's nothing they don't they well, they're going to have a tremendous amount of cap space they're going to have uh, actually a huge trade exception on top of it yes. so they're going to have also additional first round draft picks so before you say that you know it was some bad trades or some bad things yes Dame Lillard I think they realize and understand that Dame Lillard is probably not going to be able to be in great shape for the rest of the season. He might actually, it might actually just for now sit him down for the rest of the season, just say get healthy and we're going to go ahead and build something around you going forward. But with Anthony Simons, you saw the talent there against the Lakers the other night. It's just a matter of, of question of how far can he go? But now that there's a whole bunch of space that's been cleared out because CJ McCollum is not there anymore. It's all dependent on him be developing into that star player alongside Dame Leonard. Maybe it's good because it'll be a bring a younger, more athletic player. Still, they'll have size issues in the backcourt, but again, comparative def- to what and they defensive, have, and defensive issues. Yeah, I mean that's that's something that Anthony Simons doesn't bring, unfortunately. But again, CJ McCollum didn't bring that either. So no, but CJ McCollum was a I don't know. He's that's a the guy gets buckets, and if he gets hot, he, you know, it's it's like Buddy Heald level hot. Like it's just you don't. I think they already maxed out. What with those two, I think they already maxed out and gone as far as that they they could go Probably. with those two. Probably, I always had wished that they would have brought in. They always wanted to bring in like a. They would call him three and D guys, but Ronnie Hood isn't really a three and D guy. He's like whatever. And same with like. Covington, right? Like solid players, solid players. I always wanted them to bring in like a Jay Crowder type or somebody who's like a little more of a chip. Like that that team needs some grit and they need health luck. They've had bad health luck in that everybody's the the, the best players are always da- you know, they're always down two or three pretty solid rotational players. Uh, and that's life in the NBA, which the Lakers are currently writing a, a magnum opus on. That's the kind of thing, like, I can't call it a win now because you just don't know what they're going to do with it. It's just a lot of question marks about what happens next. So that's why I can't really personally, uh, I can understand looking at that situation they've created themselves and seeing that it could net positive results. But I could also see them watching that trade exception float into the wind. Uh, like the Lakers have let trade exceptions go because you just don't find something that works or uh, somebody who wants to like move the player you want to move for or whatever. So I- I'm curious to see what Portland does both at 
at draft day. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Portland has about as good a chance of making a play-in spot as the Lakers do right now. <laughs> That's being cruel, I know. But it well, doesn't... you mentioned also though there there are losers out there. You mentioned Portland as someone yep. as a team that you didn't uh, think that did well. You mentioned the Kings. The... Sacramento is the biggest one. Yeah. Probably well, the getting Knicks. rid of Marvin Bagley Jr. I thought was uh, very shrewd. So, yeah, I, I just don't see what the Kings. I, I mean, do you think Sabonis takes them to the playoffs? No, I don't think Sabonis. So, takes what's them to the, the point? Like, I don't understand the move. Then, I, 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 if they're for whom they brought back, I don't see. I mean, and I have well, getting to say rid of Halliburton. No, I thought that was the wrong move for them. Wrong to do move, that. right? I mean, and you want. I don't know. I, I think they kind of overpaid for Sabonis based on how he's played, especially like when it comes down to winning, like playoff series and playoff games. You know, everybody could also do better with the change of scenery. You know, you never know. You know, you never know. So Portland could pull some incredible strings. Somebody could decide they want to go play with Dame and save his career. Who knows how it works out with and a lot of the trades that just went down. And a lot of those guys could be moved into that cap space. I should say that Marvin Bagley Jr. was traded for Dante DiVincenzo and a second round pick along with Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles, uh, you know, some good yeah. quality players there. DiVincenzo, if he develops into anything, yeah. you know, he, he showed a lot of promise, not he this season flash. per se. He has well, flashes last that, you know, yeah. before his injury last season, he showed a yeah. lot of flashes there. So if he develops, there you go for Marvin Bagley, who is not no longer in your plans and is a miserable yeah. draft bus at this point in time. Yeah. I, I mean, Sacramento was right. And again, he might be somebody who benefits from a, a little bit of, uh, you know, scenery change. But those are probably my two biggest losers. The third biggest loser would have to be Laker fans who advocate for trades. Uh, <laughs> because uh, is I, someone in particular that you're talking no, about? No, there are many, many. Tom? You're, you're, no, you're, no. I mean, he's he's the most egregious in terms of, of his his. He posts about trades like a volume three point shooter shoots three point shots. Where you're like, oh, there's another one, huh? All right. But, I mean, they're not all bad. It's just there's so many, you can't take them all seriously uh, or give them all the time of day. But uh, it's it, – no, it's not, nothing directed specifically at Tom or anyone. Just I know that there were a lot of Laker fans who pinned their hopes on the season on Rob Polinka pulling off some sort of magical blockbuster trade. And, A, I don't think we had – the trade parts. Well, that was my, well, those were my original words uh, when we talked about in the season preview heading into the season, because I said the Russell Westbrook trade was awful back then, but I said that Rob Palenka would make a move at the trade deadline to go, that would overcome that mistake and help the Lakers to a championship. And that part, I was dead wrong. No, and Rob Palenka. But that was again, you know, way back when, when I thought the Lakers still had some type of, you know, competency and and some type of uh, relevance, but. Yeah. Now his his streak of no in season trades continues, and uh, you called it. You, you're, I'm going to give you credit. You called it. I, it's not much. I don't think it's much of a call. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Not to not to diffuse praise or or to you know. I, it just seemed kind of logical, both in terms of the assets we possessed. You know, I, I might have felt a little bit differently if THT had been like a solid. 15 points a game, six rebounds, a couple of ancillary stats here and there, and had maybe won a basketball game or two. Well, we should have traded or... him after those first three games he came back of in, from injury. There you go. That would have been uh, something that yeah. he would have been worse. He would have been worse something. That's we sure. should have traded him for Lowry last year is what we should have oh, done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, couldn't, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yeah, but anyway. Uh, 
Those are my three biggest losers and winners. Yeah. This is Raphael from NBA Draft Junkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know. Condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Jamie Sweet right there. Please check out his five things articles at Lakerholics.com. Thanks so much to Kenneth Stone. Welcome back. Thanks so much for watching. And also Elton Barrios, thank you much so much for the thumbs up and everybody else that's been watching this evening. He's also here today as our Lakers fast break historian, a guy who supports my cause when it comes to trying to get Jerry West a lifetime seat again at the crypto.com arena. Mm-hmm. It is sean grice and sean great to have you back magic man uh unfortunately it comes back on the heels of what the lakers did not do and Mm. again we'll discuss that at the very end but your thoughts on some of the trade action that went down obviously the big headlines is uh philadelphia and brooklyn you were siding with the nets and i recently said on the air that i liked it for the philadelphia because of the fact that it gives a player that can go ahead and at times when the people are, when teams are really focusing on Embiid, give them something as far as the distraction, but they also got to keep their young guys. But I understand the haul that, that Brooklyn got in. It got a lot of, uh, actually the first, those two first round picks are, are really very, very enticing. And also as well, the fact that they can't, you know, brought in Drummond to help with their rebounding and also interior play. You also got Seth Curry, who is statistically a better shooter Mm-hmm. than his own brother which people don't seem to forget <laughs> and don't seem to remember but and that you know obviously they right now with ben simmons if he gets healthy and, and he gets right and he gets back on the court he can obviously become a major defender but you want to talk about that or any of the trades some of the winners and losers that you saw of the nba trade deadline yeah sure gerald um I'm, i mean just looking at this trade from um, a micro and a macro point of view from a micro point of view, to me, Brooklyn won the trade. They got they got a young, motivated Ben Simmons. I think there was some question about whether or not he'd have the heart on D that he had in Philly, wherever he got traded to. And I don't think there's any question that he won't now. Now with uh, KD, ready to stone cold him right in the locker room if uh, he doesn't bring everything he's got. Like you said, they got a shooter in Curry. We have no idea when Joe Harris is going to come back, but he had a setback and a second surgery on his ankle. I'm not sure he's coming back this season. Yeah, I I mean, to me, it would it would behoove both the Nets and Joe to maybe maybe shut him down because it would make it easier on Steve for, for rotational purposes that he he knows he can count on Seth and he doesn't have to worry about swapping. Seth or Joe in in a rotation, possibly uh, messing with some chemistry. So I agree there, Gerald. I think from a macro point of view, 
this reminds me a lot of um, Shaq and Dwayne Wade. I think it's inverted this time. I, I think James Harden at his press conference needs to speak into the microphone and say, this is Joel's team and I'm here to facilitate the squad in any way I can to make sure we're a championship contender because the offense still has to go through Joel. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I, I think James understands that. And I think we'll see a, a raw version of it when they start playing, but when they develop some, some on court minutes together, I think, It'll come to fruition. But you got a season um, and 30 games to go ahead yes, and yes. see if James Harden is a fit before you are forced to sign him to that huge extension where Bobby Marks was, uh, had said yesterday that it was going to be ending up as one of the right. worst contracts in NBA history with, by the time he was 38, be, I think, collecting a $60 million plus paycheck. He- he could very well be Russell Westbrook right now in about three years. Yeah, you could be very right on that. It could it, it may it may not work out. It, it this this may not work out, and this may be like a bad fit, similar to what we're seeing with Russell Westbrook. You're right in Philadelphia, but you know that's something that Daryl Morey he he does not value first round picks. That's why he tosses them out like candy. Look what he did in Houston. Over the years, yeah. he, he tossed him up. Here, have a first-round pick. You get a yeah, first-round he... pick. You get a first-round pick. So, I mean, they don't mean anything to him. So, the fact that he was able to keep Matisse Thibel and the fact that he was able to keep Tyrese Maxey, who, who have a lot of promise, they may not be a great fit alongside James Harden, but once James – you know, if James, it doesn't work out, the James Harden experiment doesn't work out, doesn't work out you still have those building blocks with Joel mm-hmm. and B going forward. Absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you're right, Gerald. It it might not work out. I mean, again, from a macro point of view, I love James Harden. Um, I think he'll go down as one of the seventy-five greatest players, and in twenty-five years, he'll be one of the hundred. Um, however, I believe, like I was emailing uh, you, fine gentlemen, I believe he's tarnished his legacy. Uh, on what I'm looking happened. for the fine gentlemen. I don't know where they're at, but okay. <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> in that experiment, I mean, they played a total of 16 games together. That's that's less than Greg Oden, Brandon Roy, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Well, you're together. not going to get any sympathy for me on that for <laughs> our big three, quote-unquote, that's only played mm-hmm. 18 or right. 17 games together or right. something like that. Right. So but, you don't but see much you know, of that. Yeah, but you know that not not to belabor the point, but he's the one. He's the one who acted unprofessionally when he wanted out of Houston. They wouldn't budge him, so he kept on pushing, and he kept on pushing, and he finally got what he wanted. However, due to the times we live in, the time and place he decided to go, right? It didn't align with his personal choices and that spilled over professionally. And, you know, that's disappointing, Gerald, but that's kind of the bag you get with James. If he tries to do that, though, in Philly, imagine the crowd. Imagine the crowd and their reaction. It'll be beautiful. It might be worse than, than the treatment Simmons got because at least Simmons didn't show his face back in that town. If this goes bad... He's in the lion's den. There's nowhere for him to go. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, but with Ben Simmons, you think it's going to be a much better fit for him in Brooklyn because the fact is he's, he's not being relied on offensively just to help distribute the ball, maybe from a post-up position, just be able to go ahead and, and you know, just make sure the ball is distributed, make sure obviously getting the rebounds. And of course, as a premier defender in the league that can guard positions one to five, I think that's a, a unique advantage for Brooklyn. Plus, again, the two first-round picks. You also get Seth Curry as a as more spacing right there is needed. And, of course, with Joe Harris out, that is even more valuable. And if you were talking about some issues because of inside, because you thought the, your inside play was lacking and your rebounding was lacking, you bring in one of the best rebounders per minute in Andre Drummond. So. Yeah, I think for Brooklyn, it's not even for the long term. For the short term, I think it's still a big win for them. For yeah. Philadelphia, it's a big mm-hmm. gamble, and we'll wait and see. But then again, Daryl Morey is known as a gambler. So, I mean, that's pretty much what it comes down to right there. But any more thoughts on the NBA trade, di- trade deadline before we get to you know what team? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, just a, a quick rundown. Um, ironically enough, you know, Daryl Morey, he's probably the only GM in the NBA who has no emotional intelligence whatsoever when it comes to players. You're stuck. You're either up, you're down, or you're neutral to him. And if he can figure out a way to make his team better, he will. You're 100% correct, Gerald. As opposed to somebody who just left the Portland Trailblazers organization in ruins. Neil O'Shea, who becomes really attached to his first-round picks and really attached to players he likes. And like you said, Gerald, I think they maxed out in 2018 when they got to the Western Conference Finals against the Golden State Warriors. They lost 4-0. However, they were up by 10 or more points in all four of those games at one point in time. And I know for me, this is something I know that gets, gets a lot of blowback, but when, if you're an organization and you have these aging, like Dame Lillard, yeah, that's great. He's going to be a Portland trailblazer for life. Maybe, although we'll wait and see the summer what happens again. I'm, I'm very much knocking on wood. When I say that uh, I, I have to reevaluate if I'm running a team and I have like a 30 year old, you know, plus 30, year old individual superstar that is on the verge of signing another five to six, you know, five to six year contract. That's going to cost, you know, it, what, 40, 50, $60 million a year. Now we're talking about for signing some of these contracts. A that, third of your me, cap space. <laughs> yeah. That's a year cap space. Yeah. That to me is just, uh, th- uh, that's a risk. I don't want to take unless his name is LeBron James and, and has proven mm-hmm. that he's actually capable of, still being an elite level or Steph Curry. There's very few individuals out there. I mean, with the way that he takes care of himself, James Harden, I'm not sure I'm gambling on that Uh, with Dame Lillard. You know, he plays a different style that I think, you know, all of these years in may not age well as well. So I'm worried about that. If you're Portland and also as well, if you're in Philadelphia, but Hey, you made the risk, you know, Portland has, is probably going to play, you know, uh, Dame Lillard when he comes back and he's probably going to go ahead and, and stay with the team. But I would seriously consider trying to move him in the offseason as well. And same thing with Bradley Bill. He's 29. He's yep. been injured again. He's out for the season. If I was Washington, you got to be straight with him. Just say, you know what? This is what the parameters are. I'm sorry. We may look to go ahead and trade you. You just got to be realistic with the, with the players. I think 
I understand loyalty and, and team loyalty and all that. But we saw with Kobe when, you know, a lot of people were, were mad that they kept Kobe because, you know, he was over the hill and he just didn't, you know, you saw what happened with the team and we committed so much cap space. I thought it was okay. I didn't mind. They still tried to build a team around him. But, uh, you know, the Lakers, you can't say weren't hurt by that by keeping him on for so many years. I mean, and so much cap space. But the same things are going to happen to Philadelphia if they extend Harden. The same thing is going to happen with Portland, with Dame Lillard. So we'll wait and see. It's a gamble. Do they age well or mm-hmm. do they not? We'll, we'll wait and see on those. Those are big gambles that we'll, we'll have to go ahead and see. We don't know for sure if Lillard's going to even stay on the team in the summer. It's going to be something very interesting to see. But any other teams that stand out to you on the NBA trade deadline? Absolutely, Gerald. As I said before, although I saw they got mixed reviews on, on um, social media and, and analysts, I loved what the Mavs did. For Luca, surrounding him with the kind of I actually kind of I I didn't like what they did. Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie is having an awful season, mm-hmm. awful season. I, I I happen to believe Spencer Dinwiddie will come off the bench, and if 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 Dragic does sign with them, which I think he will, yeah. I, I think, I'm not sure that's a done deal. Uh, we'll see. I I think so. To me, Luca. One of his goals in life is to play with him. I, yeah, I think. I agree. I think they're going to make it happen. I think Dragic would be the point guard, and Dinwiddie would. So be. even if a Milwaukee or a Miami comes calling with a better shot Ooh. at winning the NBA championship, you'd have to say that's a definite. I, I, I would say so. I, I think you, you know. Other than Sasha, <laughs> not out there. Other, other than Sasha Vujovic, I, I think. Uh, Goran Dragic has a great relationship with every other Slovenian basketball player. So okay, uh, yeah. Well, um, see how hard that got with Sasha. <laughs> uh, and another winner, obviously, was the Toronto Raptors. Really made a, a sly move by acquiring Fad Young. I mean, a lot of people, <clears throat> Gerald, said that the Raptors would be in the lottery this year, just based on the talent that was on the <laughs> roster. And, Technically, I, I did say that. I guess correct. I did. So, no, no. He, Actually, he, I, I think I did because based off of their previous season, they were on, on the downswing. I mean, they right. had a lot of injuries, and uh, they still had nothing as far as in the middle and the center position that they've done to shore up. They still have a little bit of a weakness there, but with the wings that they have, uh, they've been obviously very promising, and they've gone since a very slow start. They've gone on to be very productive uh, since then. So, yeah. And they, who, I'm who wrong. knew I, Nick? Nick Nurse could get away with just playing seven guys 40 minutes and somehow they'd right. seed in the East. Went to the Tom Thibodeau playbook there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Burn, burn <laughs> your players out. Seven best guys, go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, but Fred Van Vliet is just absolutely having an obscene season. I just yeah. Congrats to him on such so, a great season. Yeah, and just as a side, Coach Nick Nurse has some of the best stories about <laughs> co- coaching – uh, in Belgium and Germany, he he talked about how he coached a select team in Belgium, and before the game, the refs came to him and they said, "Coach Nurse, since you have a select team, the other team is awarded thirty-five points to start the game." So he started the game off thirty-five nothing, and they only got the lead with about two minutes left. He's he tells some of these most amazing stories that that you'll you'll never hear unless you rode the buses. So 
a great guy. Um, I think he'll he won't win Coach of the Year. That will go to Taylor Jenkins, but he'll definitely get a lot of votes. The big loser were the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I can't believe the Kings gave up on uh, Tyrese Halliburton. You know, less than 150 games into his NBA career. That's that's stunning to me. You don't let a guy see at least 200, 250 games before you make a decision on his career. And, of course, us. I mean, Rob said he standed pat. He said he, he had uh, AD and LeBron's blessing. AD and LeBron basically said, no, that's not true. So Right. <laughs> The uh, the wagons on fire, basically, and rolling down the hill, <laughs> and rolling down the hill, indeed. Once again, I wish Sean Grice, the Magic Man. Please go ahead and check out his YouTube channel. Put a little mustard on it. Go ahead and check it out today on YouTube, and of course, Jamie Sweet from Lakerholics.com. Check out his five things articles today at Lakerholics.com. All right, you're going to close out the show here by talking about. Our beloved Los Angeles Lakers, I mean, a team that has gone through so much this season, ups and downs, mainly downs. And I mean, we saw the other night in Portland in one of the most embarrassing losses that we've seen for the organization in their entirety. Like I'd probably say is the down point of the current NBA season that they're in. And everybody was expecting changes that wasn't named Jamie Sweet. I said I was on the fence. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't either way. I was. I just. You did. It's so hard to predict what's going to happen. But Jamie Sweet, he saw it. He saw no activity before from Rob Palenka, and he didn't get any. I know Laker Tom and so many other fans were demanding and asking for a trade, and unfortunately, nothing came through. If the Lakers think they're going to be really active on the buyout market, I think they're kidding themselves because yeah. of the fact of where they're at in the standings. These guys in the buyout, they don't come back on. Okay, yes, I'm going to get a buyout just so I can go to a team that's going to get me into a mediocre position, maybe a first-round loss at best. They're going to go to a place where if they're asked to, they can compete for a championship on a much better, much more qualified team. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens there. But, Jamie, I'm going to bring you back on for your final thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers, the disappointment that a lot of fans have in regards to the inactivity you called it you were the one that was first and foremost you were out there on predicting that the los angeles lakers would not move or make a move to the trade deadline and there was very much a precedent for that and going forward as long as rob plank is there unfortunately the problems will continue and also the anticipation or non-anticipation at the trade deadline will continue as well well, thanks. Full transparency. I would have been happy for a, a large number of trades that, you know, that, I, that I'd heard from various entities to have gone through. If we could have traded THT, Kendrick Nunn, and Bladdy Blue for Miles Turner, I would have been thrilled with that. Same with Nurkic. Same with, we could go on and on and on and on and on. What we had to offer was so bad at least in terms of the on-court performance this season. And and in-season, you don't pay for potential. You don't trade productive for potential. Those are off-season maneuvers. Those are maneuvers where you can get the guy into your facility over the summer, see what they what the, what are you good at, what do you do well. Like, let's start from a positive standpoint. You don't start from a point of, boy, we have like 8 million holes to feed, and this guy's playing like crap. Perhaps you'd be interested in Teo and, Horker, Teo and Horton Tucker and a guy who hasn't played all season long 
with no timetable for his return and a draft pick that turns over in the next after a half decade. So who wants to come shopping at Lakerland? And the answer was, you know, nobody's serious. The rumored trade for uh, it was Alec Burks and Cam uh, Reddish. Cam Reddish is intriguing, but then you have to look uh, if 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 ownership cheaped out on Caruso, they're going to cheap out now. They're not going to bring in ten million more dollars in salary because, in their minds, that's just thirty more million dollars that they're forking over to the to the league. And it's not that they're wrong. They're not wrong. It's just that when your brand is we build championship teams and you bought the championship rims and the championship custom steering wheel and the championship sound system, but you also purchased the veteran minimum engine, the veteran minimum transition and the veteran minimum, you know, I can't think of another thing that goes in a car, but you know, point being is that they got half a car. The outside looks great. looks super flashy, a lot of bells and whistles, but it drives like crap. And it's not going to work. And so that, when I saw that happen to Caruso in the summer, that to me signaled this, this is how it is. And so they're not going to spend on the same level as Steve Ballmer. They're not going to spend on the same level as Brooklyn or Golden State or any of the other billionaires who own basketball teams. They're going to, they're going to run it like OKC or Indy, but with a much brighter sign out front. Uh, but the downside being is we don't run it as smartly <laughs> as OKC or Indy does. We try to put together too much flash without enough substance. And it, it's, it's, it, when it works, it looks so great. You know, it's everything Dr. Bus ever wanted, all the ways Dr. Bus ran the team back in the 80s, but it was different in the 80s. You could, there wasn't this tax that if you wanted to spend a lot of money on the team, you just spent a lot of money on the team. You saw what you paid for. You got what you paid for. When you spend a lot of money on a team now, you end up forking just as much money to the league to put on, you know, whatever the league wants to put on. And so, or, or pay for, or, or you pay the teams that don't go over the tax is the other thing. So in, with that in mind, I've come to the conclusion that the, the three-star philosophy for the Los Angeles Wakers does not work in the modern NBA. You cannot go down that path because you are, you've proven that you're unwilling to then turn around and use the tools that you had, which is Caruso's bird rights, THT's bird rights, and Schroeder's bird rights to improve the team to a level that's competitive around the three superstars who alone in no world can win a basketball series in seven games and as we've seen, can't compete that highly during the regular season, especially when you surround them with the really, really old players, many of whom are oft injured. Uh, so uh, the entire philosophical approach to constructing a basketball team since the bubble championship has been increasingly mystifying to me every offseason. Every offseason, I've looked at the moves and gone, huh, okay. Where does that take us when, if you're going to trade Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder, you got to make it happen with Dennis Schroeder. Like you don't have much of a choice anymore. You, you're not going to find a, rep, a passable replacement. And like, let's, you know, you can argue like, oh, Dennis didn't have a great year. Yeah, but he didn't have a great year on a team that's in a huge amount of flux. Lakers and Boston actually run themselves very similarly. If you think about it, the Lakers have just had better luck in this decade. And I don't know. I, 
Gerald, you were the first one who I had ever even heard mention the idea of the bus family selling the Lakers. And I remember thinking at the time, there is no way in hell that will ever happen. And to be honest, I still think that there's no way in hell that it'll ever happen, but I'm far more open to the idea personally than I was when I first. If heard somebody it. comes in and drops above market value, Forbes estimates what four to five billion with whatever's going on with the. You might have right to now. double that. You might have You'd to probably double go that. five. No, you won't go. You don't have to double that. They don't. As far as sports, they don't go that high. But I'd say if somebody walks in with a six billion dollar figure, it'll make them think. It'll at least make them think about it. If, 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 who if I who may, does that? If I may chime in here, I, I had a thought and. Um... Xbox just dropped dollars in Activision Blizzard, so don't underestimate anything. I hear what you're saying, Jamie, and I I understand that, you know, they probably won't sell. But do you think they would trade some of their equity for more liquidity? No, if if anybody's coming in there, they want want the whole kit and caboodle. I see. Okay. I, I mean, these days, if you're spending billions of dollars, I mean, yes, there is. I understand that there are small portions out there what's the doctor or the dentist that in la that owns part part he's a very famous lakers fan he owns a small part of it magic sold him his shares or something like that just a small part no if you're coming in there if you're whatever big hedge fund or whatever big financier or whatever you know monetarily rich individual that's going in there to buy the los angeles lakers you're not buying for a share of the los angeles lakers unless Genie bus gets desperate and or the bus family has to go ahead and sell a portion of it. I don't see that happening. They either have control of it or they don't. And if they don't and you're going in there to buy, you want the whole thing. If you're spending billions of dollars, you're not just spending one or two billion dollars to get, what, 20 percent of the Los Angeles Lakers. AEG already owns a percentage of the Los Angeles Lakers. So, yeah, it's to me, it's just so, if you go in there, if you go in with a high ball, six billion dollar figure, and I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just yeah, speculating. Well, so, so, I think so that we, might that might get them to think about it. It didn't say we get it done, but at least we'll have them think about it. Well, so, somebody like but it Larry, needs to happen. It needs yeah, to happen. So, well, somebody like Larry Ellison has said that he has a four billion dollar line of credit. I mean, he's just put it out there. So, and he was this close to getting the Warriors over Joel. Now, the Bus family has again due to the Bus family's previous real estate ventures, they have other equities out there. They have other things that they have in play, but it's nowhere near the substantial amount of play that the owners of, let's say, the New York Knicks, and and we know about the owner of the New York Knicks there and how much he has with Comcast and all that. Of course, what we see with Steve Ballmer right down the street, you see what he has. He has he has enough cachet. He's building a new arena. He has enough cachet. He's the richest mm-hmm. owner in the NBA. I'm not asking to find the richest owner of the NBA. I'm just finding, you know, looking for someone who's going to say, okay, this is the premier team as far as name wise in the league. You need to go ahead and spend like it. You need to go ahead yeah. and act like it. And these limitations that they keep on setting for themselves. Oh, we can spend this on LeBron and AD, but whoa, 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 we can't spend anymore. When you have LeBron and AD, you need to go all out. 
Yes, and Shame Crash and Burn. A beer budget won't work for this franchise. Yeah. No. You, you can't. You can't get cheap. You can't get cute. You can't. You can't go and spend all the money you do and give up all the stuff that you give up for Russell Westbrook and then AD and then LeBron. You know, as far as LeBron, what you paid out in salary, and then go cheap by not paying Alex Caruso, who you know is the best thing for one of your major deficiencies as far as perimeter defense, which I mm-hmm. called back in the summer. Yeah, you did, And you get rid of that main source of what's going Oh, everything's going to be fine. No, you can see it. If I could see it and I'm just a regular Joe individual out there, then what do you think these other teams can see? They exploit yeah, no. that on an every game basis. To, to me, he to me he was he was greater than that. Obviously, looking back, he was the artery of that perimeter defense. Like the yeah. the Lakers just just stabbed their artery. Plus, they had and a lot of other good defenders and and some developing defenders like Kuzma. Kuzma KCP. was a horrible. Yeah, well, KCP, yes, but Kuzma was a horrible, absolutely horrible defender before who worked himself into a very mm-hmm. adequate defender. In the pre in the championship season for the Lakers, so you know that being said, again, it's just about making the right maneuvers and making the right right things that as far as for the organization. But yeah, you guys have been great on this show, and I appreciate both your feedback and what's gone on. But before we head on out, you guys go ahead and uh, pitch on what you need to pitch because I know Sean, you've got something going on on YouTube. Please let everybody know what you got cooking on there. Yeah, Gerald, I just have a volume coming up um, very soon. Um... Regarding a rant on um, what Rob Polinka didn't do, and basically, I think we as Laker Nation owe Magic Johnson a big apology. He knew right? exactly what he was doing when he did it. Now, a lot of people will say, "Oh well, you know, it's not, it's not why he left; it's how he left." Well, you know, Magic does things Magic's way, and and you have to live with it. I didn't like a lot of the things he said and airing a lot of uh, our, our laundry out there, but I love Magic. I know he had the best intentions of trying to build the Lakers into a championship contender. Well, uh, Magic is, is a great individual and one of the greatest players of all time, but let's not go into you know his tenure and other facets of the organization. I, well, I, I, I mean. I don't think it's debatable at this point, Gerald, if Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak had been at the head of the table, LeBron James would not have signed with us. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? Great idea, but please. You know, so Magic, before... Magic did get LeBron to stay in the building. Yes, that's true indeed. Again, LeBron, we got the championship. Everything else yeah. now should be considered yep. gravy on top of it. But quickly mention your YouTube channel before I head it over to Jamie. Absolutely. It's uh, Put a Little Mustard. Please, please, everybody, subscribe. Check it out. I'm looking for subscribers. All right. Uh, coming up with Jamie right now. Jamie, before we head on out, where can they find your great stuff that you got going on at Lakerholics.com? You can find it on my own tab headline that Tom graciously created for me called Five Great Things. But it's a, it's a, it's in the main blog post as well, along with a lot of uh, vibrant discussions right now, especially as like news of the trades that didn't happen start to trickle down. And you can see the, the I don't even want to say the disappointment. It's, it's a fury. <laughs> It's a fury some people have worked themselves into over the Lakers' lack of pulling any kind of move or trigger whatsoever. 
So I got to admit, Laker Tom was not as mad this year as he was last year. Last year, he was. Yeah, pissed. last year. Last year. It ruined you could see it actually season. on camera. Yeah, he, he got really pissed. And Live then, on and the also, and it, Yeah, last year was, was was way more epic. This year, it was just like resignation. And I, I kind of I feel I felt bad from last year. I feel bad from this year because I, I know he doesn't just propose things ad hoc without the goal being to improve the team. And I know that he gets frustrated by people like myself who and me who don't just <laughs> wholesale buy into the dream because I can't get past the reality. And so I will if Laker Tom ever does listen to this, I just say keep proposing those trades. Just don't let yourself get so worked up when you when you wake up from the dream and it was all a dream. Uh, <laughs> we all have to wake up from our dreams and go to work. Uh, unless you're retired, then you wake up from your dreams and I don't know, go play lawn bowling or whatever it is people do when they retire. My my dad I does. I really admire the dedication there with the trade machine. The only person oh. more dedicated is, uh, according to Poppy Marks, Mikhail Prokhorov, who, <laughs> who with a with a Russian business partner, he said would would have a few sips of vodka in the afternoon and. Bobby said he had to print out about 300 uh, spreadsheets of trades from the trade machine to show Billy King in the morning. Oh my God. How about this guy? What about this guy? Right. Part of the problem, part of the problem with proposing trades and volume is that you, you focus on one aspect of it only, which is, well, the money works, right? The money is easy to make work in a lot of circumstances. Do the players fit? Does this organization even take your calls anymore? Does... And that's something I think you know. You just don't go for the flashy names. You have to understand and exactly right. look and understand the the way the landscape is. Is this player going to be a good fit for your team? Just right. because he does, he plays well on one end or for one team. Does he? Will he play well on yours? What's the future like if you bring this player on? You know, the whole there's a whole things you have to consider. That's why I try to take a look at it in that sense, not just right. do the knee jerk reactions and things of that nature, but you know what, instead of closing out this on such a downer note for as far as what's going on with the Lakers and their inactivity, we'll go ahead and support everyone as far as their faith in the Lakers that hopefully they can change things around. I'm hoping for a top, for the top down organizational change in the summer, uh, starting at, at the very top. That would be very great for me and very great for every fan out there that they would get a better product going forward. Cause I think that a lot of changes again from the top down need to be made, but We'll wait and see. Again, the Lakers, this trade deadline didn't do much. In fact, they were very inactive. But hopefully this will lead to better changes going forward for the team and the organization. Hopefully that this is a sign that the Lakers, in its current form, needs to change. But once again, Sean Grice, the Magic Man, put a little mustard as the YouTube channel. And for Jamie Sweet, it's also five things on Lakerholics.com. We well, appreciate everyone watching. I know we've had a lot of viewers on. Thank you so much for watching and listening. If you get a chance, check out all of our previous episodes, Lakers Fast Break, wherever you get your podcast, or you can check out all of our previous videos or as many as Facebook will allow to keep on there because they like deleting my archives on there because I have so many videos I put up there. But yes, you can find Lakers Fast Break videos right there right now in the videos archives at Lakers Fast Break on Facebook or Lakers Fast Break on YouTube as well. Appreciate, guys, your time for spending on the NBA trade deadline. Thank you so much for watching and listening. 
Hopefully you'll join us on future episodes. Looking forward to going ahead and being here for every post game and more right here at the Lakers Fast Break.